Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm Gemma and welcome to Good Influence. This is the podcast where each week you and I meet a guest who'll help us pay attention to something we should know about as well as answer some of your questions. This week we're talking about self-belief, being put in boxes we didn't ask for, self-help books and how we access them in different ways, and how hashtag be kind also needs to apply to yourself. So joining me this week is Laura Whitmore. Laura is a TV and radio presenter, actress and writer. This episode was recorded in lockdown back at the beginning of 2021, before Laura went on maternity leave. She is, of course, now back and currently on our TVs presenting season seven of Love Island. I spoke to Laura ahead of the release of her debut book, titled No One Can Change Your Life Except For You, which quickly became a Sunday Times bestseller and is now out in the world and available for you to read. The worst things that people say to each other can't be as bad as what we say to ourselves like I'm like whatever comments I've ever had online I'm like I've said worse things to myself it can't never be as bad as that and I think if we can't even be a little bit nicer to ourselves like how do we expect other people to so I'm gonna start by asking you about your new book of course um so I guess to begin with just how did you come to write a book about this kind of theme of sort of self-belief? Like, is it, would you say that's something that's been a strong theme for you throughout your life anyway? Um, it's something I've definitely had to um, get better at. Um, and it's strange because basically the book idea has been on the table for like a few years now. And everyone has ideas of what you should do and what you shouldn't do and notions and um you know, I had a few different people come to me with ideas of what I should write about and n- none of them really clicked with me. So this is kind of a long time coming because I was waiting for, you know, the right publishing group that would let me write what I wanted to write about. And it took me a long time to get here, if I'm honest, because I've, you know, over the past few years, I've been writing articles a little bit more than I have before, probably a little bit more comfortable in my own skin than I was when I started out in television. It takes a while to kind of get there. And um, I kind of got to this stage last year where I I knew what I wanted to write and I had written lots of bits and pieces but I've written like articles and I've written like short films but I've never written like a book like that's a lot of words in one go so it's trying to decide how you're going to write in the longer form and what that those themes would be and how they'd all kind of come together so it's kind of been a long time coming and now it's like it's uh, yeah it's so weird to be even talking about it because I feel like I started it so long ago I feel like the way that you talk through the book, you're obviously talking about themes overall, but there's a lot of experience from your life that you're kind of drawing on to then sort of explore these things and reflect on things that are a bit more universal. But you can only really write about what you know, can't you? Like, um, but yeah, I, I like that you say universal because you kind of want to draw on these themes 
that um, other people can relate to. And like, I was very aware that I didn't really want to write, write a memoir. Like I've had suggestions going, oh, you should write about your time in MTV and all those crazy stories and all, and you should write about this or that. And I didn't really want to write about that. Um, but there are certain parts of my life or there's certain experiences I've gone through that I felt more comfortable writing about, which I've touched on before about being female in the industry, about imposter syndrome, um, and about perspective and optimism and different things like that. And I'm like, um, it's easier to to kind of talk about things that have happened to you. And it can be anything. It can be anything from like meeting big, you know, rock stars to like my mom and dad when they were younger together, both talking about the same holiday. But my dad's perspective was very different to my mom's. They were both talking about the same holiday, but he said it was crap and she said it was amazing. It's like, how do, how can two people experience the same thing and have different reactions? And that kind of made me mm. look at life uh you know, in in a wider um, sense and go, well, you know, it's all about perspective. We can all experience the same thing, but how we react to it makes such a difference. So yeah, I guess I had to kind of draw on elements in my own life, which is hard as well, because I've spent so much of my life trying to protect myself and not talking about myself because I interview other people or I talk to other people. So that's been really, yeah, it's kind of had to get comfortable with that. Do you think it's been beneficial for you kind of the process of writing the book? Because there's obviously some stuff in there where you're reflecting on things where you didn't feel great when they happened. Do you think it's been beneficial that you've gone back over that under the lens of, you know, now knowing what you know about confidence? Hindsight is great, isn't it? And time Mm. is great. And that's why I always try and not maybe write, well, publicly anyway, how I feel at the, like, I I mean, I have notepads of like how I feel at the time and it's like rants and all sorts, but um, perspective is really important. Hindsight's really important. You know, there's issues I've talked about, uh, about situations in work um, where I've been made to feel uncomfortable. I've talked about miscarriage, but never at the time I felt comfortable. I had to kind of wait until I was in a space um, where I felt I had the headspace and I was in a healthy position to be able to talk about it. So I think that's really important because just because we give away some parts of our lives doesn't mean we have to give away everything. We have to protect ourselves. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of like a minefield, but you're right. It is really, it has been really helpful to me. I'm not going to lie. There's been some times when I've written stuff and then like I wrote it without thinking anyone else would read it. And then I, then I read it back and then my publisher read it back and it's like, will I say this now? Is this the right book to talk about this particular thing in? And I had like there's certain chapters where I kind of was like, I don't want this book to be about just this subject because it's much broader. So I have to be careful what stories I decide to tell now and what stories I don't decide to tell. And also, um, I'm really lucky. Like I've met loads of people in, in my life through like living in Ireland, the small town, moving to London, which is just like crazy and so different to what I knew. So I've kind of tried to put all of that together as well like I've learned so much like the last chapter is called she learns um kind of based on like Alanis Morissette's song and uh it's all about learning because I mean this book isn't about telling people what to do it's just you know a little bit of my life with things that I've picked up along the way and and at the end of the day we can kind of look to other people and we can blame other people but it all comes from us and that's taken me a while to get to Mm. I feel like a lot of people have probably written self-help books but it doesn't necessarily always mean that you're then sharing your own experiences it's like yeah like say if you went to like a therapist they're not usually telling you what's going on in their life kind of thing so I feel like it's quite different when you're you know reading through someone talking about these different issues and also saying I've been through this as well by the way you know I'm not telling you 
what you should do and what you're do. doing wrong yeah, yeah it's just you know and and I also kind of come from this book on I'm very lucky that I've had privilege in my life and I was very lucky in getting a break in television um and not everyone will have the same look or privileges that I have and it's not about that it's about whatever situation you are in so I didn't want to alienate anyone with my stories either. So yeah, you're right. I kind of draw on anecdotes, but then I move on from that. And there's a lot of, I did a lot of research as well um, into different topics like imposter syndrome and, you know, this idea of imposter syndrome, which I think, I think everyone experiences. I don't know. Like I've been places going, what the hell am I doing here? Or like, why am I doing this? Or like, and then you kind of think, oh, this whole fake it till you make it. And then I realized like everyone feels that way. Like everyone I've ever interviewed from musicians to actors, sportsmen, everyone's a bit like someone's going to figure out I shouldn't be here and I, I'll be asked to leave. Um, and I was really interested in this imposter syndrome. So I started like looking into it and it was coined by these two ladies in the 70s because they realized a lot of women were, were suffering with it and especially high achieving women who were in these positions that were mainly male dominated and kind of felt like they didn't belong and of course like men feel like that now as well but the research initially was done to look at this whole phenomenon of like what is this like it's not even an illness but this feeling of inadequacy and where is it coming from and um I, I just recently in the last few years it's come up quite a lot when I talk to people who are like releasing a new album or they're on my radio show or or any situation actually like it doesn't matter who you are whether you're a teacher or a doctor like we all have these feelings and why do we feel that way and we're kind of our own worst critics and how do we get over that yeah for sure I think it it definitely is something that I would say at least most people feel yeah and that's kind of what I was going to ask you like I feel like even before when I've when I've said to people on the podcast or address the listener if you will and sort of said you know what 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 do you want me to talk about what are things that you care about what do you want to learn about what do you want to hear people talk about and this whole thing of you know self-belief and confidence and you know just being who you are and being comfortable with who you are is one of the most common things that people ask me to talk about personally ask you know to talk about on the podcast and have someone on for and I think it is something that everyone seems to feel at some point but also it's something that we look at other people and assume they don't feel for some reason yeah and like sometimes the most confident person in the room is actually the person with the least self-belief and I know I kind of grew up in this culture I don't know is it just an Irish thing but like you couldn't big up yourself do you know like you couldn't be like well done me for doing mm. like you I just have this I don't know I don't take compliments well and I don't um I don't compliment myself. I don't be like, well done, Laura, for doing that today. Because you just feel like, oh, I feel full of myself. Like you just, and then I remember, I think I talk about it in the book as well. Like first time I went to America and like, it's a different, not everyone there, but there is a different mentality of the American dream and you can like big up yourself and it's okay. And it's actually really good rather than this like almost over apologetic for being in the room. I'm sorry for being here and taking up your time. Because that's what I felt like I was like beforehand. And I remember someone telling me, okay, the meetings are going well, but you need to like, when they tell ask you what you've done, like tell them what you've done. And, but I would be like almost apologetic going, ah, sure, I just don't, you know? And it just, it, cause it just didn't sit easy with me because I didn't grow up in that kind of culture. Yeah, absolutely. I've definitely had that happen before. And I think that probably is quite a British thing as well, but also yeah. maybe a thing that women do quite a lot anyway, but I've had the same thing in meetings where, you know, you're kind of supposed to, 
pitch yourself in yes, certain situations. Yeah, it just feels weird. And people are like, oh, you know, like, what are you up to? And I'm like, oh, I, I don't know. I'm just pottering about, just, yeah. just doing my own thing. Like, yeah, nothing yeah. really. And then whoever I'm with will have to be like, well, no, you're doing this and you're doing that. And I'm like, oh, I suppose so, but nothing that good. Yeah. It's mad, though. And so many people, so many of us are like that. I mean, you don't want the extremes either, because then you'll have someone like a Trump character who's like too much self to belief. You don't no want more s- of those, please. No more of those characters, please. But I think there's something nice in recognizing your own success sometimes. And like, also, I talk about like giving compliments. Um, sometimes we assume people know they're good or know their achievements, and just saying nice things to each other is lovely. Um, and we forget to do sometimes. So, um, yeah, that self belief and then believing in other people, but. I also like, I don't know about you, like when people say self-help book, like so many people run away from that, including myself. Um, Because my mom would have a lot, my mom read a lot. There's always loads of books in her house. I've picked up a lot of books. And I remember the first time I saw like, I think she had like feel the fear and do it anyway. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is this self-help book? And there's kind of these negative connotations of of being whimsical. And um, I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think self-help, if it comes back to it, it's, it's like you're not, the book can't tell you what to do, but you take from it what you need. And yeah. different books will resonate with different people, um, fiction or nonfiction, whatever, you know, different stories. This is why we like different music. Um, and it's just kind of finding what works for you. And there's no better way to find that than through other people's stories. Yeah, I think that's so true. Like, it makes me think of, so this is quite more of a personal story from me. But I think when I had first started speaking to anyone like doctory about kind of like anxiety and depression and that kind of thing when I was probably 18 or 19 one of the first things that the doctor had recommended to me was a book about getting over low self-esteem because that is something that like has been an issue for me for Mm -hmm. ever Mm-hmm. But I just remember at the time being like, and I, I bought the book that she suggested that I buy. And it was, I think it was literally called like Overcoming Self-Esteem. And it sat on my, cel- on my shelf and I never read it because it was such a like intimidating thing yeah. to read kind of thing. And it felt really yeah. clinical and like I was trying to fix something that was wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you're kind of just listening to somebody else talking and saying that, you know, they go through similar things, I would find that a more helpful thing to read at this point, I think. Yeah, well, I'm the same. Like I find like like the best things for me if I'm feeling down. The best thing I can do is like talk to a friend, um, and have that community around you. And even you know if you can't talk to a friend, there are certain books and there are podcasts. Why I love podcasts because you just feel like you're listening to someone else's story and you kind of feel like you're they're friends and you're in the chat. Like anyone listening to this now, like yeah, welcome. You're in our chat now and you're like part of it. Respond, respond, please do. <laughs> um, and I think it's yeah, I think that's how my head works like I love that I'm you know and there's a lot of things I don't talk about publicly but I'm talking about them privately I'm talking to my mates like I'm you know I'm ranting if someone's pissing me off or if I like back when I was single like I would talk to my mates about it like because I we do need to talk and we do need that outlet and Mm -hmm. it's kind of finding what works for you and you know that could be through a self-help book it could be through a medical book it could be through like a lighter book be through poetry Um, and it's just kind of working out what works for you because what works for me may not work for you but um, we talk about it we'll all realize that that book that you had that you probably never read the stuff in that book that probably is beneficial to you but maybe it just wasn't displayed in the way that 
would connect with you, you know, it's probably better off for you to like listen to a podcast about it or, you know, have um, a conversation with someone about it. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of a more of a like feeder into a topic rather than being something that feels quite scary. Yeah, intimidating because some of those books are really intimidating and 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 uh, and titles as well. Like I remember when I had to like come up with the title of this book, I because I'd written the book already. And I knew what it was about, but it's like picking a title is really hard because like, where, like, where do you begin? I'm yeah. like, like, even as it is, it's really long. <laughs> and uh, I, I just like, we went through so many different options. And again, I didn't want it to be intimidating. I didn't want it to seem like it was a memoir because it's not, it's not necessarily a memoir, even though there's anecdotes in there. And um, it just kind of came back to like, I love music and music's always been in my life and you know, I started out my TV career on MTV and doing festivals and um, even on my radio show, like every, you know, when we do these big guests that we get on, I always ask them the lyric they live for. Like, what's this lyric and a song that means something to you? And lyrics are kind of like affirmations to me. Um, and what I love about lyrics are that, you know, a songwriter can write a lyric of a song and it can mean something to them. It can be about a breakup or it can be about anything. But then that songwriter doesn't really own that lyric anymore because whoever listens to it will receive it and interpret it in a different way. Um, and I remember my producer asking me, what's the lyric I live for? And I was like, well, my first album, I was five and it was Wilson Phillips and it was this song called Hold On. And I just remember this lyric being, no one can change your life except for you. And that's when my publisher was like well that's the that's the book title that's so good I also physically cannot read the title of the book without without singing it it to myself (laughs) it's such a great such a great one and then that then makes me think of that scene in Bridesmaids and everyone's just like everyone's so happy and I'm like great I'm so thankful for Bridesmaids as well because I remember like I've had this album since I was like a kid um like back I think it came out in 1990 or something and I was tiny and my mom got it for me and then Bridesmaid came out and then loads of people, you know, that's how they heard about it again. And I feel like this new generation of people know about this song because of Bridesmaids. I'm like, yes. For sure. Definitely. So the more kind of personal themes and things that you've talked about in the book, when you've kind of, I assume, you know, started talking to people about it, are there particular things that people seem to be really attracted to that they know you're going to talk about in the book so far? Like, what do you think people seem to be really wanting to hear you talk about? I don't know. That's a really good question. I haven't really thought about that because I don't know if this is the book that people would expect me to write initially. Um, There's definitely themes in there that I've written about before, like the first chapter. So basically the book kind of centers around a poem I wrote last year called She um, and kind of talking about how we can all be everything. You know, you can be vulnerable and you can be strong and you can be tough and you can be rough and you can be all of these things. Um, So I kind of wanted to draw on those topics. And there's a lot of topics I've talked about before, about being female in a male-dominated industry. Mm -hmm. And But then the first chapter of the book is all about, you know, she is strong and women in my life who are really strong. And looking Mm -hmm. back at like previous generations, I think we're really lucky in this time where we live now um we have a lot more say and power than the women who came before us um so I look back on that and I look back on the excitement of the next generations to come and what they're going to achieve um so I think that's a theme I've talked about a lot I've talked a lot about you know choice and consent um and that was through you know Ireland obviously 
being Irish and growing up in Ireland and then a few years ago they were repealing the Eighth Amendment, which was, you know, about pro-choice and giving women the choice of abortion um, if it was needed in certain cases. And um, there's lots of things I've talked about before and I was like, how do I kind of connect them all together? Mm. Um, and then as I mentioned, like the imposter syndrome. So I think people probably maybe will know I'll talk about the female thing because I've talked about that quite a lot. But this is a book really important for men as well. Um, and actually the first person I got to read the book was a friend of mine, a guy um, who's written, he's an author and he's written books before. And I really, I, I kind of was really like, I wanted to write something that was important for both genders. Um, and and I didn't want to like alienate anyone because I think I can only talk about myself so I can talk about women as a woman because that's all I know. But uh, it was lovely for like my male friends who have read it to be like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that or I didn't. Um, like I, there was an extract from a newspaper years ago that I saw and it was like mentioning me and a few other names. And uh, I think we were all, it was like a charity event and like every single man um, was talked about by like, you know, broadcaster, sport, sports personality, musician. And every single woman was you know, it was like Lisa Snowden, ex of George Clooney, um, plus size model, Daphne, blah, blah, blah. And then it was like, and I was like, and I, like, no one had noticed that, but I saw that. And I'm like, can can you not see what, like, can you see this? And it was only like saying to a few guys going, oh my God, I didn't even realize reading that, like the stark contrast and how wrong that is. And I remember at the time, like tweeting about it and actual the online version of the paper changed um but I just think people didn't see it and sometimes you have to kind of say that um so I hope like stuff like that connects with people just to see things differently but then like I mean there's so much other stuff in there I talk about too uh some stuff that I didn't even mean to <laughs> I mean no I think you're totally right like it, it is important I think for anyone so like not I've talked about this on a podcast episode before about, you know, like taking in media and taking in stories from people who aren't necessarily exactly the same as you. So like mm -hmm. whether you're a woman or a man or neither and non-binary or, who you know, whoever you are, like we were kind of saying, these are more like universal experiences. So whether you're coming at that from the same perspective or similar or you're kind of learning more about how maybe somebody slightly different is experiencing these things too. And you're feeling like, you know, oh, actually maybe I'm a bit more similar to that person than I would have realized. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's always something really helpful as well. Yeah. And I do, I kind of, when I mentioned the she in the poem, I'm like, she is all of you. Like she is like my dad. She is like my other half, my friends, my family. And, and I think that's really important that even though we have different stories and it's important to to read other people's stories uh, and people who aren't, aren't like you, but you will be surprised by what resonates with you and the similarities. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that that reminds me of something that like st one of the parts of the book that I've read so far that stood <laughs> out to me was about you were talking about, you know, not fitting in boxes and whether that's kind yeah. of boxes that other people put you in or boxes that you put yourself in. I feel like it all, like things quite often come back to that, I feel like. Oh my God, I'm sick of boxes. I like, I talk, oh, I hate it. And it's like, who do you want to be like? Or who, where do you, uh, I said that thing. I'm like, please don't ask me where I see myself in 10 years. I don't know where I see myself tomorrow. I have no oh idea. God, I'm like, I have no idea. Who knows? Um, probably still at home. Um, but uh, yeah, people love to put you in a box being like, so you like this presenter. So especially when I started on MTV and like, this is the route that you should do. And then I remember when I, like, I do a radio show on BBC five live, which is 
it probably not the radio channel you'd expect someone from MTV to kind of go on because much more chat show it's much more topical um I'm like this young blonde girl on it where before it's been quite political and sports orientated and older white male and um and I mean it's a great channel and and I'm so happy to be part of it and it was nice to kind of do to beat expectations I talk about expectations a lot because there's all these expectations of what you should do and I hate the word should (laughs) I hate it um so yeah I think it's like really like yeah it's really important for me anyway to kind of break those boxes because I, I give them to myself um and maybe that's one good thing about and I do the comparisons between you know us over here to our American counterparts. And like, I, I couldn't believe like in the States how open they were to, you can be doing, like you can do a podcast, you can be a writer, you could like be on television, you can be an actress and you can do all these things while over here it's kind of like, well, stay in your lane. Don't confuse the audience. I've actually been told don't confuse your audience. Yeah, I, I, I get that as kind of like an industry-ish kind of thing as well. Like, well, who are you? Like, who are you trying to sell yourself as? Like, mm, like I'm when people me. look at you, who are you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's so it, I think that is something that a lot of people would find really difficult. Yeah, but I think that, I think you get that everywhere. Like, I think like I've had friends get that like in all sorts of jobs. As I mm. said, like my like friends who are teachers and stuff. You know, if they try and do anything that's outside the set curriculum, or they're trying to, you know change up their, their in the way they teach and you know you're kind of being told well, this is the way we do it and this is the way we stay and god forbid that we go outside that box yeah exactly I'm trying to it's something off like a tv show or a film or something that it always makes me think of where they go back I'll remember the reference in a minute but where they talk about like you it was a story about how before somebody was making a roast dinner they would like always cut the end off a piece of meat and then put it in the pan and it would just it was just the way that they'd always done it and then they went back and like asked, asked their mum and went back and like asked their grandma and it was like oh cuz that's how we always do it that's how we always do it and it turns out that like two or three generations before it was because the pan was too small so they always had to cut the end off and so funny and then it just becomes a tradition without knowing why exactly that's, yeah you're right though and it's okay do you know what i love questioning things it's okay to question things it's okay to be like, why, why is that the way? And and that comes to, you know, when I talk about being a female in the industry and how we're talked about or how, you know, why women are so much talked about by visuals and aesthetics and, you know, when upskirting used to be legal, like we just accepted it because it was always the way before us and we'd mm. see people in the industry were treated that way so I'm like they were treated that way so the new generation will be treated that way that's just the way it is and then Mm -hmm. at one point you're like at what point like what yeah it's like kind of looking at that meat thing and the cooking thing is like when do we go back how far do we go back and realize actually there was a mistake made and that should never have been allowed in the first place you just should have had a bigger pan yeah exactly and I think it it does take us a good amount of shift as well and kind of the goodwill and support of people who've gone before you because it's so easy in so many different scenarios for people to be mm. like well I had to have that struggle so now so it's your you. turn yeah whereas actually you need the people before to be like no that was awful and I don't want you to have to have the same thing I think you're right you know I saw someone on um Twitter write something like that recently it, or, is, or online you be careful what you read online but saying oh well like uh the previous generations they just sucked it up and dealt with it do you know why why are like these younger generations complaining about things like you know the previous ones just I was like yeah but like women also sucked up the fact that they 
couldn't vote and they had mm. no choice over their bodies. I'm like, they had to deal with lots of things quietly or, or stages where, you know, they weren't allowed um use protection or think you know like mad stuff i'm like there's lots of stuff that people dealt with that's not okay so if we didn't complain about it or we didn't cr- create change we wouldn't be where we are now so yeah just because other people had to experience it doesn't mean it's okay for future people to for sure and also yeah exactly what you say like just because things have improved on certain aspects doesn't mean it's like well be grateful for what you've got now stop yeah. pushing for any more improvement no oh never stop pushing for improvement never where would that go no talking about you know generations and how things change on that kind of note we keep saying that you know perhaps a lack of confidence or like searching for that amount of self-belief is like a universal thing and something that most people probably experience do you feel like now or you know in more recent years or particularly at the moment with anything going on do you think that's something that's become more important and people are struggling with more so maybe than they used to like do you feel like this is a really good time for your book does it feel like the moment to you I think this I mean, it's weird how life works out. Um, like we're in the middle of a pandemic where a lot of us are at home at the moment. Um, and I, I, always, I always try to find the positives. I write a lot about optimism and how sometimes people don't trust people who are optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think it's, yeah, I think it's really important at a time like this, which is really difficult and negative. And I, I acknowledge people are going through really tough times but to try and take the positives from it and one of those positives is that we're we've slowed down a little bit that we're reflecting a little bit more um that we're looking at ourselves a little bit more um and you know I always say like we we it's all it's a power thing as well like we don't have a lot of power at the moment we don't have control we can't get on flights and fly around the world um, but what we can do is maybe make our home a nicer space, maybe be not, you know, checking on a neighbor or like, you know, we've, I have a neighbor who like bakes every Sunday. It's so lovely. She leaves treats oh, on the doors. so nice. And like, we didn't really know each other like beforehand because um, I live in London and no one talks to anybody. Um, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I do think this time, like it, it's strange, like a book like this, my book coming out now at a time where I do think we are looking at ourselves a little bit more going, okay, I can't do this. But what can I do to make my space and my everyday a little bit better? Mm. Yeah, I think you're right as well in terms of like when you think about social media and everything and everything that we haven't been able to do and so much of our lives went even more online than it was before. Because let's be honest, social media was pretty all encompassing before anyway. And then we were all kind of trapped indoors a bit and everything was online because that was the only means of communication we had and I feel like now that it's you know we're getting on for a year of this and I feel like a lot of people have kind of flopped the other way and realized how much they were comparing themselves to other people or realized Mm. you know what what hits their confidence was taking because of that and I kind of trying to be a bit more bit more kind to themselves now and trying to foster their own self-belief by realizing how that negative behavior could have impacted them yeah I agree and even like you know there's a whole thing about people saying you know be kind to each other now which is lovely but I think one of the things we need to look at is being kind to ourselves because we're always saying be kind to you know people but I'm like if you can't be kind to yourself if you can't like some of the, the worst things that 
people say to each other can't be as bad as what we say to ourselves. Like, I'm like, whatever comments I've ever had online, I'm like, I've said worse things to myself. It can't never be as bad as that. And I think if we can't even be a little bit nicer to ourselves, like how do we expect other people to, or give ourselves a break? Like even in like, we're at home a lot more and we can't maybe achieve as much. And sometimes even at home, I'm like, okay, so I'm not working today or I'm recording at home today, but maybe like while I'm here, I might paint the spare room and then I don't do it. And I'm like annoyed at myself. And I'm like, do you know what, Laura? Mm-hmm. You got up this morning and you brushed your teeth. Well done. You're and fine. Applause. Well done. <laughs> You're fine. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that as well. It's the whole kind of thing of at the moment you try and like, you're like, oh, I've got so much time. There should be so much time to get things done. And then actually, I no, know. we're all having no. such a weird experience. Oh, we're all procrastinating. And I'm like, there's so many things because life has always been so busy. And I, I've, I've spent a lot of time traveling with work. And um, I've been, this is the longest I've ever been in one place without getting on a plane. And I had all these things that I was like, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm like, I didn't do that. <laughs> I was like, I just, I just didn't do it. Exactly that. Something that I definitely wanted to ask you was, about something that I read in your book which was Mm -hmm. about talking about being average and about how that's no bad thing because this is something that I've said for years and there's a conversation that I've had with my friends so many times and I think like it's a funny one because not everybody has the same experiences and it might be you know that you read about someone doing something that maybe you would never do and you think Mm -hmm. like oh well well that doesn't apply to me then because it's so far out of my kind of not comfort zone but Mm. my sphere if -hmm. you like but thinking about self-belief do you think that can still kind of what am I even trying to say I I just think you know the the fact of the word average most most people are average because yeah. that's what the word average means. Yes, exactly. And but people we want to we're told to be the best like you can be, but you can't be the best at everything. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess my question that I was very awkwardly trying to get to was where does self-belief fit into that kind of thing? So when you're talking about, you know, confidence and mm-hmm. you know, be, being the hero of your life as it says, you know, like on the cover of your book can that apply when you're just you know trying to average live your average normal life you know or does it mean you know does it mean you have to believe that you can go to the moon or like have this have this like I don't know be on telly or something you know if you're looking at you well like ambition is important I think it's really important and um really needed and like you know, one of the taglines I have in the front cover of the book is how to be the hero of your own life. Like, I'm not the hero of your life. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're the hero of your life. So you're the best at, you're the best at being Gemma. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, like I'm terrible being Gemma because I'm like, <laughs> no, believe me, you are the best. And I think that's okay. It's like, we're the best at being ourselves. We're the best in our bubble. And the problem is we live in a world where we, that's not good enough. We're compared. We're constantly compared. Whether it's in a magazine where you wear a dress and someone else is wearing the same dress. So you're like, well, we must compare them and see who's wearing it the best. Yeah. Rather being like, well, Laura's wearing it in her way and this person's wearing it in their way and that's fine. Um, but this whole average thing is in a, in a generalized way being like, that, that what I was saying about like just getting up in the morning and just going to work and like that's an average day for people and well done for doing that and I think we mm. should applaud that more and we should like yeah average is success and just getting on with it and just surviving like I even think just surviving this year and getting through a really tough year and um 
finding the good and the positives in really dark times is, is, is so important. You don't have to like have, you know, I've written a book in this time and I realized that's like quite a big achievement, but you don't have to have written a book in this time. It's fine. You could just have read a book. <laughs> like that's good. Like, I mean, that all. was closer to the level that I've achieved <laughs> during the past Or binge year. a TV series, you know, finish it off. Like that's fine. And yeah, I, it is that difference between being the best and then the average, I'm like being the best in your life and, and the ambition, because my ambition and my purpose, and I talk a lot about purpose versus plans, because I don't really like planning stuff, but I have a purpose. I know what my purpose is. Um, and that might change and I might shift a little bit and might have different goals along the path to get to my purpose. But like, what's the reason I'm doing this? Why am I doing this? Um, without having a full plan, because plans always go out the window. There's absolutely no point. Yeah. But but my purpose is totally different to your purpose, do you, do you know? And that's okay. And I think we sometimes too much just compare that, well, this is why this person did it. So this is why you have to do it. Um, and I did like, I don't have the answers. Like, and I'm very aware of the fact that like, I'm an expert. I'm not a doctor. Like that book that you got um, suggested to, to get about depression and things like that's someone who studied it and knows it really well. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I only know what I've kind of lived through and what I've talked to my mates through through and I hope that resonates with people because it's probably in a much I don't know, hopefully a digestible format but um like all I know is what I know and um and like what I know is like sometimes just being average in a day is fine and good because it's the best that I could do that day exactly I mean I'm a hundred percent on board with the with the average <laughs> move I, I'm like I got the zoom working I had Zencaster <laughs> running simultaneously like I'm like do you know what well done Laura Honestly, getting through these techie bits of recording <laughs> is an achievement in itself, for sure. Thank you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Every week, I'll be asking my guests some of your questions. Um, the first one comes in from Answer who asks being a writer do you mainly have one technique to go about writing for example do you have an idea and just go for it or do you make a list of events you want to include and how do you get over writer's block well this is good I also feel again speaking about imposter syndrome I feel like an imposter saying I'm a writer considering mm. there are so many incredible authors out there who I know and some I've just read their work of and uh like even reading that, I'm like, who am I to say how, you know, what, what to do? But all I know is, again, what works for me. Yeah, And um, like I'm, I, like, I'm quite an emotional writer. So if I'm angry about something, 
like in the moment, like I'll write it. I won't put it out anywhere for the love of God. I will not put it out because I'll need time Mm -hmm. to edit it. But I'll write when I feel it because I feel like that's the most honest I can be. And then sometimes I'll come back to it again, maybe some time afterwards with a little bit of hindsight and I'll kind of adapt it around. Um, But like a lot of the topics I'll write about will be something that's come up in my everyday life or I've read something, I've had a reaction or a conversation with my mates like, or even like doing this podcast, there'll be certain topics. I'm like, oh, maybe I should write more about that. Mm. Um, Writer's block is weird because like I've always had the luxury of kind of writing about things in my own time. And then then you get a book deal and then you get given a deadline. <laughs> ah. <laughs> and you're like, so we need 60 to 70,000 words by this date. And you're like, oh, so I can't just like write in my own time. Um, so I, I kind of, I, yeah, for me, when it comes to things like that, I kind of, well, one of my friends actually suggested like do a thousand words a day because we could kind of mm-hmm. work that out. But then some days you just don't feel like writing. Do you know what I mean? Some days you're just not in the mood. So there was definitely days when like I couldn't do the thousand words, but it just meant the next day I did 2000 words. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always had to kind of keep that balance just to kind of balance it out because otherwise, I mean, there could be a month when I didn't feel like writing. And then some days you just get an idea or I don't know, a little spark or a bit of energy and you'd like, right three four five thousand words because you were just in that moment um so I'm probably quite emotional as a writer I feel like I have to have that connection there are definitely more intellectual writers who probably have a better system but that's just I'm just quite a reactive person but I always say just yeah write it and then keep it to yourself for a little bit and look back on it I feel like I'm probably much the same as you in that I would be quite emotional like I used I used to write a column and I remember my editor saying to me like your best ones are always when you're a bit pissed off about something yeah yeah. (laughs) so I don't know what that says about me but I think it's true like and on the opposite side as well like if I'm upset about something else I can't just force myself to sit down and write I find it really difficult I think you have to kind of be in the right headspace yeah no you you have to be in the right headspace that's really really important um and if you're not that's okay that's okay and I think I've I learned from like uh talking to different people that you know it, it, I was actually speaking to Marion Keyes, who's a brilliant novelist. Um, mm. And she's like, it takes her ages to write a book. And she's on her 14th novel now. And they're hugely successful. So many times bestsellers and all over the world. She's like, you know, some writers write their novel in six months or so. And she goes, mine, some of mine take years to write. And that's okay. So it's that thing as well. Like, don't just assume that if you're a writer, you're writing constantly with these brilliant ideas. And for every great book, there's probably a terrible, like, half book written somewhere. I feel I think it was you who I saw who tweeted the other day something as well about um Marion Keys that's jogged my memory. Was it that she she didn't start writing books till she was in her thirties? Yeah. I love that. Um she yeah, so she was on my radio show recently and uh yeah, she was saying she didn't get into writing. She wrote like her first book when she was in her thirties. Um she'd moved from Ireland to London and she'd kind of had this other life beforehand and she probably wouldn't be the writer she is today if she started earlier because everything mm. happens for a reason. And then I kind of got obsessed with this and I saw like Samuel L. Jackson didn't start making movies till he was in his 30s. And uh, I mean, like, I love you know these I mean? things. I love these things. As someone who's just turned 30 recently, I read that and I was like, oh, breathe. What are you, I was like, what I've are got you so do? much time. Yeah. You could like become an astronaut. <laughs> I don't even need to know what I want to do yet. And also, it's never, again, the boxes thing, it's never too late to change lanes. Mm-hmm. Like that, it's never too late to do that. That's absolutely fine fine um yeah I did find some I find comfort in that and other people's stories and other people's not other people's struggles but 
the fact that everyone struggles to some degree and everyone questions themselves and everyone's a bit unsure of something. So I'm like, if someone who's top of their game now didn't even get into the game until not that long ago, um, I mean, that's quite nice, isn't it? For sure. Just got to find your thing. Just got to find the thing that makes you happy. And if you're doing something now and you're not happy, like get out of it. It's, it's okay. You can, you can stop and you can change. Permission. Get permission. Give yourself permission. <laughs> Read my book. <laughs> no one can change life except for you. No one else is going to, like, if you, like, with Marion, or, like, I'm sure when she was working in London, like, no one came over to her and says, I bet you you're really good at writing here. Write a novel. Like, yeah. she had, to, she was writing short stories that she sent to a publisher. She had to make that change herself. Like, the same if, you know, you're, you're a carpenter and you really want to get into acting like no one's gonna go hey you do you want to be in this film like you know unless you're Harrison Ford but like I just think you have to kind of put yourself out there a little bit um and you've seen that's worked for people in the past yeah absolutely next question is from Esther who asks when do you begin to see the difference in how you practice your self-belief in your life oh that's really good I think it's different for every person. This is the thing. Um, and also, what do you what do you expect? It comes back to expectations. And I, I talk about expectations in one of the chapters. Like, don't expect to be like, I'm going to start giving myself compliments and saying nice things. And suddenly my life is going to be great and it's going to be brilliant um, because it may not, you may not see difference the way you want to see it. Um, so be careful of those expectations. Um, but I think it all comes down to... I said to you before, I was like, I hate when people say, where do you see yourself in 10 years? But if I do have to answer that question, I'll say happy. And I think the difference is, are you happier than you were before? Or do you feel a little bit more in control? Um, so it will be different for everyone, Esther. Um, but I just think be careful of those expectations you give yourself because again, you, you know, I'm talking about the Marion Keys story, you may want to be a writer and it may not work out for you. Um, don't have those expectations, but are you happier where you are now than you were when you started out? Um, and that could take any time from immediate to like years. Yeah. Next one from Nicole, who asks, as a lot of our negative body image comes from the media, is there any form of media you choose not to engage with to help protect yourself and your positive body image? For example, are there certain types of TV shows and movies you wouldn't watch or pages you wouldn't follow on Instagram? That's a really good question. And I do think I do talk about this as well, about curating your own feed. Mm -hmm. um, it's annoying because they keep changing the algorithms of online because you can see other things that you don't follow now. That really annoys me because I'm like, I follow these people for a reason because it's what I want to see. That's so true. But then every now and then things pop up. I'm like, I didn't choose to follow that. Um, I think that's absolutely fine. Even when it comes to, I know you do my body image, but even like recently the news, like I have to watch the news for work. But I can't watch it every day. It's grim. Like sometimes I need to watch Real Housewives or Selling Sunset and that's okay. And then sometimes I'll watch like a documentary about murderers because that's where my mood is. And I think it's really important to balance what you see. Um, if, you know, there's certain, might be certain people online who trigger me um, and it can be because I'll compare myself with them and it's okay to mute them for a while. <laughs> Do you know? It's okay to, to mute like... Um, if, you know, I've got, you know, a few friends who who are trying for children at the moment and I'm like, you know, don't maybe they're not in a place where they want to see someone talking about their pregnancy all the time. And yeah. I'm like, that's OK to mute that um, for a while. And it's not about unfollowing or, or, or anything wrong with the person talking about it because everyone's allowed to talk about their own experiences on their page in their own way. And you have a choice in what you take in. And if you mm -hmm. don't want to take it in, then you, you have control over it. Um, 
I've talked about tabloids before and certain newspapers um, and things you need to take with a pinch of salt. Um, and I'd like things to change. Like, you know, when a woman is talked about and she's flaunting her curves or she's flaunting, like, I, I, I know I was papped walking down the street and apparently I was like flaunting my my bump and I'm like I'm not flaunting my bump I'm wearing a coat and I'm trying to get a bloody coffee piss off do you, do you know what I mean like I'm like yeah. or, but like how women like men don't flaunt do they no. really or show off their curves I'm just constantly flaunting women yeah, flaunting, flaunting. Look at me existing flaunting. in public like just existing breathing walking is flaunting um how dare you that like really annoys me that language that's used um mm-hmm. And I try not to, I mean, as much as I'm a human, but I try not to engage too much in that. And I also, when I see it, I realize everyone gets it. And that doesn't mean it's okay. Yeah. And, you know, you'll see comments like when I saw, like that thing about myself, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, I didn't even know I was being pictured. And I was just trying to walk and it was cold and I was wearing a coat. Uh, and I see, so I try to kind of avoid, because I know that upsets me when I see it about myself. So if I see it about other women, I'll, I'll try and not engage with it because I understand. I probably understand it a bit more. But then I understand, like, I love watching shows like Real Housewives. I love Love Island. I love that. I, I love there are, like, people out there who are happy to show their life and talk about relationships. Yeah. And, like, we all love gossip and we, lo- we love it. Like, um, we love gossiping about other people. And I'm like, there are people who are happy to be talked about and want to be talked about and like, and stories and narratives that are out there. Some are real, some aren't real. And, and then I think they're there and we can enjoy them. It's when things are kind of put up through media and press that there's no consent over. And we're talking about other people's lives that we don't know about and we don't know what yeah. people are going through. And I think that's the difference and trying to analyze that and curate that um, is important. But yeah, I think there are certain things that definitely trigger me. Um, so, it's important to yeah to know like what and that can be like I like as I said the news like the news triggers me sometimes certain shows I was watching a show recently um which is amazing I watched all of it it's a sin it's brilliant it's like it's incredible um I have Russell T Davis and it's incredible but I watched the first two or three episodes and it was you know speaking about the 80s and speaking about AIDS and there was a lot of comparisons to kind of what we're going through now with the pandemic um, because it was people didn't really understand how this virus was spreading. And it was just a week where I was finding it all a bit much. So I was like, I really want to watch this, but I can't watch it today mm. because I'm just not in that place. So I need to put on Disney Plus and watch The Mandalorian. Um, and then I went back to it and it's an incredible series and I finished it and I highly recommend it. But I just knew that day wasn't the day I was going to watch it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's it translates to quite generally good advice as well. Like you don't have to make set rules for like, you never consume this type of media. You no. never look at those type of people, not type of people, what am I saying? Yeah, but but you know what I mean? But yeah, but like I like fashion magazines, you know yeah. what? Like I just, it, it's a certain, but then some days I don't read them. Like you, it's all about like your place and how it's triggering you and what it's doing to you. Yeah, so kind of just like paying attention to how you feel, I guess, yeah. and like letting that be enough of a reason to change what's what's going in your eyes definitely definitely okay and last question from prachi who asks when giving presentations or any situation where the spotlight is on you your self-consciousness acts up to the point you're scared of even smiling the wrong way what's the best way to just let it be and not let those insecurities get in the way of doing your job that's a really good question um and it's something that like practice makes perfect and 
do you know what's really mad? Like I won a competition to be an MTV presenter. And I remember like my friends from like secondary school and maybe primary school even as well. Like I was really shy as a kid. Like I didn't really speak a lot. And I, I love drama and speech and drama. And that was like my little safe space. But like in the classroom, I'd nearly be afraid to put up my hand to answer a question. It's weird. I, I was always the quietest. Even in my family at big social events, I wasn't necessarily the loudest person. And then to kind of go on television and work in a situation where you kind of think you need to have that confidence and you need to be, you know, the person who is driving a conversation. Um, and yeah, I just think I'd even to say people like, how did you get that job? Like you didn't even say anything in school. Um, but this is actually, so when giving a presentation, any situation spotlights on you, your self-consciousness acts up to the point you're even scared of smiling the wrong way. I'm looking at this Pratchy and you're saying smiling the wrong way. And what is the wrong way? I'm assuming you're thinking that other people who are watching you are going to take it up the wrong way or perceive you to be something that you don't want to be. And I think a lot of that comes from, we think too much about how other people view us. So when you're doing a presentation publicly, Rather than think, how do I want to do this presentation? What's my purpose of this? What's the message I'm putting across? I'm like, I've been given this job because I'm good at it. I wouldn't be in this job if I wasn't good at it. I know what I'm talking about. I'm going to give this presentation. But then our head goes to places where it's like, well, Mary sitting in the second row or on Zoom will be judging what I'm wearing or the the mess in the back of my Zoom or something else. And once or, or, oh, you know, Am I smiling weirdly or am I hold, am I standing weird? And as soon as you start thinking about what other people are perceiving you, that's when the downfall happens. So I would always say, Prachi, like bring it back to you. And, and I'm saying like when I used to interview like people, I remember like my first day of MTV, like I'd never been to LA before. I just moved to London from Ireland, which is massive. And then they put me on a plane to LA. And the first day of the job, they're like, so you're going to interview Coldplay? And I'm like, okay. And I remember like interviewing Chris Martin, who's the nicest man in the world. But like rather than, so I was like, he doesn't know it's my first day of the job. Like he doesn't know that. Like he doesn't know that this girl has no idea what she's doing. So I just went in there going, I'm here because obviously someone in MTV thinks I'm good enough. I've got my questions. I know what kind of, conversation we want for our show it was a show around the video music awards it was all nice and friendly we're in LA it was very fun I'm like I'm gonna go with that and take away that a it's Coldplay and he's probably been interviewed by all these people who have a lot more experience than me and kind of when you take that out and you kind of bring it back to yourself and you're like I'm just gonna do this for 15 minutes and get through it and then afterwards I let my mind wander that's how you get through it (laughs) because your mind afterwards you'll be like what the feck was I doing? Like, I'm so out of place, like this little Irish girl who's like gone from like working in a radio show in Ireland where she's interviewing like local politicians and councillors and then like interviewing Chris Martin. Like, do you know what I mean? I'm like, it's just, but he doesn't know that. So it's fine. Yeah, totally. I feel like in that kind of situation as well, it's part of that thing of like, no one's ever quite as interested in you as you are so like I've had this conversation with myself as well where I'll be like oh I don't know if you if you do anything and it's kind of like okay well what if I mess up a little bit and Mm -hmm. I just kind of have to think like if someone else messed up a little bit like I wouldn't (laughs) really care or like even if you do something like you do a weird smile in a presentation or whatever just think to yourself like is one of the people watching that in three days time going to be having dinner and thinking wow she smiled really weird in that presentation no like nobody else will care that much it just doesn't matter 
I agree. Everyone is so self-obsessed with thinking about themselves. They're not thinking about you. If they think for a second about something, it'll be gone. It'll be gone and they'll be back thinking about what they're wearing that night or the next day. And you're right. I love that. I think if you just go back and realize everyone is so involved in themselves to be worrying about you. If you want to know about opportunities to send in questions for upcoming guests, follow us on Instagram or Twitter at goodinfluencegs and email me at goodinfluencepod at gmail.com. Before you go, I've got three things that I ask of every guest and that's if listeners want to learn more about what we've been talking about today. Could you please give us something to read, something to listen to and something to watch? Okay, uh- I am so mortified for myself. And this goes back to, (laughs) I was saying I need to move away from this Irish way where you hate to big up yourself. But I'm going to say I wrote a book and I'm really proud of it. And I would love people to read it. And for me, that's a big thing because to be able to say that, thank you. (laughs) Because I'm like, I don't know. I just feel like I can't recommend my own book. But you know what, Gemma, we've come a long way and I'm going to do it. Uh, No one can change your life except for you by Laura Whitmore. It's my first book. I recommend it. It's very good. A lot of work went into it. Proud of you, Laura. Thank you. Um, And then something to watch. Wow, there's so many good things to watch at the moment. So it kind of depends on your space. Um, If you've got 10 minutes, um, there is a brilliant TED Talk on vulnerability um, by Brené Brown. Um, which I reference in the book and it's just it's just great and um, if you have a little bit longer I would recommend binging on a, a tv series Cobra Kai on Netflix it's a follow-on from the Crashy Kid and I'm obsessed <laughs> I love a good tally recommendation you know when we were talking earlier about you know what's productive and what isn't like I haven't read that many books over the past year, but my God, have I watched a lot of TV. That's that's achievement in itself, as I said, uh, watching the average amount of TV. Um, and then so- song, um, there's so much good music at the moment. Um, but I'm going to say Wilson Phillips brought out their first album in 1990 and it's self-titled and it's very good and you can't listen to it without being in a good mood. So stick it on. Thank you for listening and thank you, Laura, for joining me. If you enjoyed the episode, I'd love you to subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you're listening on. And if you've got an extra minute, you can leave a rating or a review as well. Your reviews make a big difference and help other people find the podcast. See you next week. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skidesrætter alle de der podcast og forklarer meget nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lytte til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel.